Well, today we are beginning a new sermon series that's going to kind of be our our anchor point over these next couple of months. We're going to spend most of our time these next couple of months in the books of of 1st and 2nd Kings. Now, there are two sort of main types of of people that we'll encounter throughout 1st and 2nd Kings. It's going to be a little shocking. Kings and prophets. Those are the two kinds of people that we're going to encounter a lot. So we're going to walk through First and Second Kings as we, as we look at some of what this has to say to us today. I just want to remind us some of how we get to this place in Scripture. Uh, many of you are familiar with the Exodus. How many of you are familiar with the Exodus story? Most people raising their hands here today. God's people had found themselves enslaved in Egypt and then God heard their cries and God called Moses to lead his people out of ex or excuse me out of Egypt. We refer to that as the Exodus. And God's people spent 40 years in the wilderness learning how to trust God or at least trying to learn how to trust God. They spent 40 years in the wilderness before finally they had the opportunity to to go into the promised land. And they went through that that whole journey of of entering into the promised land. And once they kind of got settled there, God used a, a series of people to lead them. A series of people that we would refer to as the judges. This is people like Gideon and Samson and Deborah. Those are some of the more well-known judges. There's, there's a handful or so of other ones whose names we probably want to recognize as easily here today. The way this worked was anytime God's people needed a leader, God would raise up one of these judges to provide the leadership for the moment for God's people. But God's people kind of started looking around and they thought, you know, God, you've You've given us a land. You've, you've given us an identity. And it's wonderful to have that, just like the other nations around us do. But here's the thing, God. We don't want to be weird. We don't want to be weird and everybody else has a king. And so we just kind of think it would be good if we could have a king too, just like everybody else. So God tries to warn his people what it will mean for them if they have a king, but they persist. And because God loves his people, God allows them to do what they want to do. And God does not abandon his people, even though they kind of refuse to listen to his instruction or guidance. And so God raises up a king for them. Anybody remember the name of the first king of God's people? Saul, right? King Saul. King Saul kind of started out good, but ended up not so good. And after King Saul came King David, who his first primary task was sort of reuniting the people of Israel who had become divided, especially during the end of of King Saul's reign. And King David would always be looked back at, right? When, when, When God's people talked about the good old days, they were talking about the days under King David, when David was king. David did a lot of good things, but we all know that David also made some poor choices during his time as king. As the book of of 1 Kings begins, David is is nearing his death. He's just weak and and, and frail, and so he can't really perform a lot of the, the kingly functions that he's been doing. And so there's actually one of his sons sort of 
kind of tries to, to lay claim to the throne. But meanwhile, David had, had said that he was going to pass on his kingdom to his son Solomon. And so as we get into this, it's about the time when, when David is, is making it known that, that he is going to pass his kingdom unto, or onto his, his son Solomon. And, and that's where we pick up today. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to join me in chapter 2 of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 2. As we read several verses together today, I just invite you uh, to join me if you're able to this morning and stand as we read God's word. David's time was coming to an end. So he commanded Solomon, his son, I'm following the path that the whole earth takes. Be strong and be a man. Guard what is owed to the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his laws, his commands, his judgments, and his testimonies, just as it is written in the instruction from Moses. In this way, you will succeed in whatever you do and wherever you go. So also, the Lord will confirm the word he spoke to me. If your children will take care to walk before me faithfully with all their heart and all their being, then one of your own children will never fail to be on the throne of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we all say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. When I was a kid in church, we had a little song that just kind of went, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Did anybody else sing this song? My, we were the only ones who sang this. You guys missed it. Nancy and Jerry. Okay, do you guys want to come do a trio with me this morning? <laughs> I felt pretty safe you would say no because nobody else wants me to sing this morning. You know, it's this little song, you just repeat it a couple times. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And after you repeated this a couple times, you'd say, don't read your Bible, don't pray every day, and you'd shrink, shrink, shrink. It's a really simple song. The, the best part of the song was that you would start out crouched down, and you would like grow, 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 and then you'd shrink, shrink, shrink. It was tons of fun. You don't look very excited, but it really was a lot of fun. You know, we're used to saying simple things like this because, I mean, really, it kind of is simple. I mean, the instructions that David gave to Solomon were pretty simple. Just continue to follow in the ways of the Lord and you will be blessed. I mean, he's just telling Solomon what he needed to know. But here's the challenge. Just because we know we need to do something doesn't mean that we always do what we should do, right? That's the challenge that that we face. And one of the other challenges with this is, you know, the, the grow, 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 or the shrink, 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 it doesn't just happen overnight. Those things always take time, don't they? Usually anything that is really important takes time. If you're trying to learn a new hobby, or if you, you want to, to play a musical instrument, or, or you take on a, a new sport, it takes time to become proficient at those things, doesn't it? And you have to stay committed because it, it never just happens overnight. And so you got to stay committed for the long haul. A long time ago now, 
I decided to run my first marathon. I'd been running for quite some time. I, I, was, I, was, I was a runner, and I'd been running for quite some time. So I, I kind of had a little bit of an ambitious goal. My, my goal for my first marathon was to qualify for the Boston Marathon. In case you're wondering, I actually did that by about five minutes. But in order to do that, I thought, you know, I need to have a really good plan that's going to help me to get to where I want to go. So I did a lot of work to try to find a really good plan to prepare for my first marathon. And I, I found one that I thought would get me to where I wanted to go. And it came time to start my marathon training. You know what my workout was on my first day? Rest day. <laughs> day one, rest. You know what day two was? Four miles easy, which was less than I'd been running before I started the marathon plan. Now, it could be really easy to say, you know, before I started this marathon training, I was doing like five miles a day at least. And now day one, rest. Day two, four miles easy. How is this going to get me to where I want to go? If you're just looking at like kind of the little part, you have no way of seeing how it's going to get you where you need to go. But it's all of these little things that were added together to be a part of this big thing. See, in, in marathon training, there's a couple of kind of key workouts. The, the, the long run matters. It's typically a, a weekly long run that makes a difference. But there's also usually some kind of like speed work or, or tempo work. And and then there's also usually something to help get you used to the pace that you're trying to run. And then the rest of your days are filled in with, with easy days or rest days, which are also there for a very specific purpose. All of this works together. And you have to be willing to commit to the whole thing to get to the end where you're going. Does that make sense? You know, when we think about this idea of, of faithful obedience, following God's ways, we can't just look at the little individual things. We, we look at those, but we also have to look at this in this big sense. You know, the, the simple little song of read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 or, or don't do it every day, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. It's these reminders of sort of the direction of our life. Where are we headed? How are we living our lives? Or are we living in such a way that we will be faithful so that we can experience what God wants us to experience? See, because if we, if we stop and, and think that nothing is really happening, then we can stop doing these practices that are really making a difference in our life. And this is part of the, the warning that, that David is giving to Solomon. Saying it's so very important that you remain faithful and obedient to God in everything that you do. If you remain faithful and obedient to God in everything that you do, then God will bless you. And God will bless your descendants as well. And God will continue to work in ways that you cannot imagine. But you have to remain faithful and obedient in every single thing that you do. You know, this is not like new instructions. <laughs> This is a familiar instruction that we find in Scripture. In fact, the, the words that, that David shared with Solomon are, are almost identical to the words that were given to Joshua after Moses died. You know, a few moments ago, I was reminding us of the story of how God led his people out of Egypt and eventually into the promised land. 
People spent 40 years in the wilderness. And it was at the end of that when Moses died and Joshua was the one who would lead God's people into the promised land. Joshua's sort of time began before that. Joshua was, was one of the original 12 spies who went into the promised land. He was one of the, the two spies who actually could see with kingdom eyes. He was one of the two spies who could see what God was doing. The rest of the spies just thought, you know, this is a great place, but there's no way we could get in there. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability. We don't have what it takes to enter into this land. Joshua was one of the spies who said, yeah, we don't, but God's with us. And this is what God's calling us to do. And if God's calling us to do something, then God's going to equip us to do what it is that God is calling us to do. Joshua knew how to, how to look with kingdom eyes. And so when the time came for them to finally go into the promised land, Joshua was, was the one who, who, who led them into the promised land. And at the beginning of, of Joshua's leadership, and, and then even again at the end, we, we see this reminder that if God's people would follow God and be obedient, then they would receive God's blessings. And they would experience life the way that God intended for them to do that. But if God's people failed to walk in the ways of God and to be obedient with all of who they were, then they would experience consequences, things like punishment, things like exile. So there's this call for God's people to remain faithful and obedient. And, and they'd seen those, you know, through the story of Joshua, they saw the times when they trusted in God and God provided. And then the times when they thought, oh, we, we can handle, we got this on our own. And then the way that turned out, they'd kind of seen this cycle happen for themselves. So by the time we get to First and Second Kings, this really shouldn't be much of a surprise that, that if God's people following God's ways, then things will go well for them. And so these were David's instructions to Solomon. Now, I'm not sure when the last time was you read First Kings, but does anybody know what kind of one of Solomon's first actions as king was? Anybody remember this? His dad said, hey, Solomon, just be obedient to God and follow in the ways of God. And one of Solomon's first actions was to kill his brother who tried to take the throne. Does that strike anybody else as kind of odd? <laughs> you know, th this is kind of the, the journey that we see that happens throughout 1 Kings is that after that, Solomon will ask for wisdom. And then Solomon will actually be responsible for the building of the temple. These were, these were some very, very good things that Solomon did. But then after the building of the temple, Solomon makes a whole bunch of decisions that, that don't really kind of go according to what God wanted for Solomon to make. But here's the real challenge with that. A lot of Solomon's decisions that did not go, uh, did not go according to God's will they were actually very pragmatic decisions. They were really good, smart, political decisions for a king to make. They were good decisions to make if you're trying to consolidate your power and rally your people and, and build a strong nation. Solomon made really smart decisions like that. They just weren't God's decisions. 
They were smart decisions, but they weren't the right decisions. That's kind of challenging, isn't it? If sometimes the decisions God calls us to make are not the decisions that appear to be wise, at least according to the ways of the world. This is one of the challenges that, that Solomon would face, which is why throughout First and Second Kings, God continues to raise up these prophets to speak not only to the kings, but to all of God's people to say, hey, listen, your focus is in the wrong place here. You're looking at what makes sense in the world, but you're forgetting to look to the one who created the world. You've got to keep your eyes on the right place here. So, so God continues to, to raise up these prophets. But the challenges are very apparent because as we read through First and Second Kings, it doesn't take very long for Israel to become a divided kingdom. There's Israel to the north, there's Judah to the south. And, and both of these kingdoms have different kings and Pretty much all of the kings, if you put them together, are sort of get evaluated as bad kings. Kings who chose not to follow the ways of God. There were a few exceptions, but most of them went against God. And this is the challenge of God's people to, to follow after God, to know God, to live for God. And this is the challenge that is not just evident in first and second kings for the kings who ruled Israel and Judah and for God's people then, these are the challenges for us. See, the same reality is true that often the choices in life that seem to be pragmatic, the choices in life that just seem to make sense in the world in which we live, just because they make sense in the world in which we live doesn't mean that they are the choices that God has called us to. Are you following me here at all? So, some of you are thinking, I thought he was going to give us a good message today. <laughs> so, the challenge with this is, if we can't just make decisions based on what makes sense in the world in which we live, how do we make the right kinds of decisions so that we can walk in faithful obedience with God? How is it that we actually do that? You know, there's a couple of things I want to point us to this morning. The first, as a reminder of what we celebrated last week. Does anyone remember what we celebrated last week? Pentecost. We celebrated the fact that God has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us, to empower us, to live the kinds of lives. The good news of Pentecost is that as we as a people saying we want to live faithful, obedient lives, the good news of Pentecost is that we don't have to do this through our own strength and power. Thanks be to God for that, right? We don't have to do this on our own and we're not alone. But we do bear some responsibility in this task. There is a part of this that, that we must do. And, and so how is it that we learn to make the kinds of choices to live in ways that are faithful and obedient to God? You know, you may not have noticed it, but, but earlier today when, when we received new members in our church, there was a little phrase kind of buried in some of that that talked about living according to the means of grace. You know, I, this is a part of, of, of our faith that I think is so important to us. When we talk about the means of grace, what we're really talking about is some of the ways that, that we can 
lean into what God is doing within our lives. Because the reality is, is God's always the one who accomplishes that work within us. But we have our part to do. We have a role to play in this. One of the examples the early church gave of how this worked is the example of a sailboat. Are any of you sailors? Anybody have a sailboat? I don't either. But since none of you are, you won't know if what I'm saying is true or not true, right? How is it that a sailboat moves? With the wind, right? But yet, a good sailor knows how to read the wind and knows how to steer the boat and knows how to set the sail to catch the wind so that the boat can where, go where the boat needs to go. Are you following me here? You could put me in a sailboat and we would probably stay right where we started because I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But a good sailor knows how to position the boat and the sail so that the wind can fill the sails and so that the boat can move. So the early church used this as an example. God's spirit is the wind. God's spirit is what brings about that change and transformation in our lives. But we also have to position ourselves so that God's spirit can work within us. Are you following me here? So what are the ways that we position ourselves? That's what the means of grace refers to. There's really sort of five sort of key ways, not the only ways, but key ways that, that God has used across time and across place to work in the lives of people. Scripture, spending time in God's word, allowing scripture to, to speak into us. And not, not just scripture though, but, but also prayer, time in prayer to, to speak to God, but also to listen to God, to allow God to speak to us. And fasting, as we train ourselves to learn to, to trust in God, to provide for us, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Another one of the means of grace we often refer to is, is, is some of the value that we get by participating in, in communal worship together. Often, we, well, the, the, the church historically has referred to that as the sacraments, which we receive as we come together. Another one related to this is what John Wesley referred to as, as Christian conferencing. What, what I like to think about is kind of fellowship in the true sense. At the heart of the idea is fellowship is, is life together. Sharing in life together. That's the reality that, that in order to experience God's grace, we need one another. We need one another to help us. To help us to see what we don't always see. To help us to hear what we don't always hear to hold us accountable and to encourage us and to help us move forward. Does this make sense? Right? You know, when I was talking to you earlier about training for that first marathon, I said that there were several key workouts that played together. It was the long run and the tempo work and the pace work and the easy days and the rest days. And all of these things worked together to take me from that day one of doing nothing to running 26.2 miles at my goal that I was shooting for. It was all of those things working together that got me to that place. In a similar fashion, as we position ourselves to allow God's spirit to do what we cannot do for us, God is the one who enables us to live lives 
that are faithful and obedient so that we can experience life in its fullness and the blessings that come from God and not from ourselves. Are you with me? First and second Kings aren't just telling us about kings who made mistakes and the consequences of that. First and second Kings is this invitation and call for all of God's people to live lives of faithful obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we gather together today, we come before you with humble hearts. And Lord, our, our desire is just to know you and follow you and live for you with every part of who we are. And God, as we are gathered today, we acknowledge that we can't do this through our own strength and power. But God, we thank you that we're not alone. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you would help us to have that sort of long view, that long perspective to, to see what we need to do, to, to do those things, to position ourselves to be faithful for you so that you can work within us, so that we can live the way you've called us to live and not get caught up in some of the ways that the world might call us to live. So God, today as we are here, we offer ourselves to you for these purposes. Lord, we pray that, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and strength to follow you each and every day. And we ask all this in your good name. Amen. Would you stand this morning and lift your voices as we just echo this message that we've heard today in our praise to our Heavenly Father today.
Just a moment, we're going to say our, our benediction together, but following our benediction, I'd ask you to do one of two things today. Option number one, find one of those who received into membership today and just welcome them. Just shake their hand and say congratulations. We're so glad you're a part of our church. Or option two, find someone that you do not know and introduce yourself. You can just go up to them and say, hi, I'm Mark. Or, well, you don't have to use my name. You can use your name. But just go up and, and introduce yourself to somebody and uh, just greet somebody today. Do you join me as we say our benediction together? As we go, we acknowledge that we cannot live godly lives. We cannot live in faithful obedience through our own strength and power. We need God's grace and we need one another. As we go, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.